Hello, guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Live Well Bipolar. I'm so excited for this episode because I have a beautiful guest with me today. And it's actually funny because we've been trying to record this and put it together a couple of times, but we are here today. And it's actually better than planned because something I'm going to tell you about her is I just got done reading her book and she also read my book and there are so many commonalities. I feel like it's like almost like looking in a mirror and we were talking a little bit before this and I have an exciting announcement for you on Kate Simonette. She also is going to share the news with you, but she literally just told me right before I hit record. But before I go ahead and get into all of that, I want to let you guys know a little bit about Kate. So she is an inspirational speaker and best-selling author of her memoir, Out of the Darkness. She is a mental health and suicide prevention advocate for teens and young adults. And we got connected on Instagram and we've been talking back and forth for so long. I feel like we've known each other other like our whole lives and I feel like it might just be something to do with the fact that just reading her story so Kate thank you so much for taking the time to come out here I can't wait to get into all of these things with you yeah thank you so much I'm really excited to be here as well and reading your book I feel like it was so nice for me to almost see someone who's in my shoes, because we're literally the same age, we both just got married, and we have such similar stories. So it was like, almost like I found a friend. And it's been really nice talking to you on the side. I know. And that's something else you guys, when we first were talking, I was like, how old are you? And then I was like, wait, you just got married. I just saw the the post. And it was like putting two and two together and then rereading her story and feeling like I was back looking at that version of myself as well. And something else too. So I want you to tell everyone the announcement that you shared. So I know we mentioned working in the field of mental health and the deep connection with Kate's story, but what are you going to be doing now? So I've been in corporate America for over six, seven years now, and I'm really excited because I've become so passionate since I've become an advocate for mental health and shared my story that I am going to be working full-time at a mental health nonprofit. They're in Elk River, Minnesota. Don't know if there's anyone from Minnesota on here, but they're called Thumbs Up. And I'm just so excited to be a part of something that I'm fully aligned with, as well as continuing to do my speaking engagements and writing on the side. Yes, I was just so excited because I we were about to hit record and she's like, I need to tell you something. And I was like, what is it? And then she said, I'm starting here on Monday. And that's what's really exciting, you guys, is because she also, aside from her book and her story, really really amplifies that through what she's doing with speaking as well and really sharing that story because something that really stuck out to me too is just the aspect of something that you talk about in your book of going through the experiences with suicidal ideation and what that means to really seek support. Cause I know for me, just reading that, I felt such a deep connection with that. And I felt like I was almost seeing inside of my own thoughts. So if you could talk to us too, about just the process for you in writing this book and going through putting all of that down on paper, did you ever think right before there was ever a book and before you were ever doing speaking and getting into this world of helping out with the nonprofit if you think about your younger self, looking at you now, do you think that she would envision this for where you're at now? Or how would that be? Definitely not. So I first started dealing with severe major depression when I was 18 years old. And I was at the point where I did not 
know how to ask for help. I was very ashamed of asking for help. And I feel like one thing I could really relate into your book, it was really helpful to see kind of what was going on in your thoughts while you were trying to figure out what was going on with you. Because I feel like that was me a lot of uh, negative self-talk, which is obviously can be caused by depression. And it's really difficult to voice that you need help because you very much feel like you're a burden. And so for me, I went from a place where I was didn't know how to ask for help to getting help and being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, experiencing so much shame. Like I was so ashamed of having a mental illness and never in in like a million years would I imagine like seven years after my diagnosis, I'd be sharing my story. Like there's no way I would have thought it would have happened like this, but I think it's come through a lot of growing and acceptance of who I am as a person and removing the stigma of mental health issues and talking about it and writing about it has been so therapeutic for me because it's made me realize that almost every individual is touched by mental health in one way or another. And if they're not, they know someone who is. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're talking about the shame that comes along with that and just the stigma and the silence of it, because that literally made me think about something that I want to read for you out of your book that I stuck on this passage. And I was like, this feels like too, too similar to me. Cause especially with you mentioned, so I'll read it off for you guys. So it's, it says this from the ages of 18 to 23, I viewed my depression and all the feelings that came with it as a weakness, but it is not a matter of being strong or weak. I was sick, plain and simple, and that is okay. It is okay to not feel good. And I should have been nicer to myself. I eventually realized I needed to stop fighting it and be kinder to myself. You can't talk yourself out of it or suck it up. So that stuck out to me because that's how I felt for so many years of just suck it up, get over it. My language, like you're saying that inner dialogue. And especially when you're referencing in my book, those italicized versions of showing you how I spoke to myself, this really made me sit there and think about this because you talk about from 18 to 23, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So that's a lot of years to be going through this too. So was there anything in particular that stuck out for you in being able to shift this kind of dialogue? I think truly the transformation came when I started taking therapy seriously. I think therapy can be difficult for people because they might go to therapy one time and have an awful experience and not enjoy who they're seeing, or they just don't feel comfortable sharing their thoughts. And for me, I didn't really find a connection when I was told to start therapy after I was diagnosed and I didn't, I just didn't take it seriously. I didn't like who I was seeing. And so after trying like four therapists, when I was 23, I started seeing someone who I had just a wonderful connection with him and really like trusted him and opened up and allowed myself to grow into who I am today. And I think that has allowed me to see myself as a young 18 year old girl who went through a lot of trauma and it wasn't her fault. And it allowed me to like feel bad for her and not judge and not feel like I'm a problem and look at it in a different way and start to heal and accept a lot of what I went through. And in turn, like even I saw in your book, like you eventually change the way you speak to yourself. And it became kinder. 
Yeah. And really taking therapy seriously. I feel that because I literally said the same exact thing to someone a few days ago. I I was talking about this because when I was younger, same position, right? I, I remember starting therapy at 16 and then I really, for me, what it came when I was probably around the same age. So it's so funny. Again, you were 23, I was 25. So I think when I finally found my therapist who I've been working with for the past three years, but like you're saying, finally finding someone who you feel like you can connect with and really talk about these things and actually see a future that involves making it past that. Because for me, I remember when I was younger, I wouldn't even really talk about the things that I knew that I needed to address just because I didn't think it mattered. I really didn't think it mattered. And a lot of that, I feel like you'll relate to is just that inner dialogue that we go through of like, don't say this, it doesn't matter, blah, blah. Like those voices that are so loud that kind of overpower us. And especially just getting into that transition of finding that therapist that you resonate with, and you can start that work to really open up and grow. I know something else we really connect on is our backgrounds with running. I know for me, I had like both a good and bad relationship with it. Right. And I know kind of like that side where it's too much, it gets too excessive and the issues that come up with body image and how we're feeling in our own bodies and ourselves and punishing ourselves for not meeting a certain goal or reaching a certain milestone. So I'd love to hear about your relationship with running and how you feel that ties in with bipolar? Yeah. So I started running in seventh grade and I had a wonderful relationship with running. When I initially started, I was on the cross country and track team all through high school. And I think what made the relationship with running at the time good and healthy was the fact that I was doing it for enjoyment and friendship and because it made me feel good. But when I got to the point where I was struggling with depression and kind of grasping for something to make me feel better, I used running as a means to like, you shouldn't, not Medicaid, but I used running as a way to control my feelings. And it was like, I was turning to something that I could use to identify myself, make myself, I used it to lose weight and almost use like an outward form of identity or an outward form of trying to grasp for happiness, basically. And I, so I went through an unhealthy phase of running where I think I used it more as like an obsessive addiction type thing to find happiness and be faster and be skinnier. And for that, for that reason, it was really unhealthy. Um, And then just getting kind of obsessed with that pattern and still not finding happiness, you know, it's just very much a pattern that doesn't get you anywhere. And then now being at a point where, okay, I've identified myself, I'm no longer this big runner, but I enjoy running and it's not part of my identity. And now I can go for a run and I can run really slow and I can go for a run and I can start walking and not feel guilty about it. And it's almost like I found that seventh grader again who actually ran because it made me feel good and not because it was something I was like trying to be okay so when you said that it literally made me draw this comparison between when you said identity as a runner it made me think of 
like just how identity with bipolar, with completely being consumed with bipolar. And this is all I am as a person. This is really like the biggest part of who I am, but I can't share it and I can't speak about it. And really that made me think of that and that shift that you made from being silenced with that stigma, but then reminding yourself of you when you were in the seventh grade and I was doing this for friendships and really what I enjoyed about it. And it's almost like a translation from what you do now with speaking and how you view living with bipolar and knowing there's still always going to be challenges that come up that you're going to navigate, but speaking about this for teens and young adults in, in something that you enjoy and have a passion for like your relationship with running, right? So going from, you know, using it as an obsessive thing and something that I need to do this in this way, I have to do it this way and really tying it into the, the way that you view weight and things like that. And then also that negative side of the bipolar of of that thoughts overpowering you and consuming you of all the problems in my life are because of bipolar. I'm never going to be able to do these things. So something that I really want to ask you too, is just the relationship with your husband. So that's what I'm excited to do too, is just hear how that kind of, how that transpired for you, because I know a little bit about it myself, but I want you to tell the story of that impact that that relationship has had for you? Yeah. So I think that for us to find our perfect match, we have to love ourselves first. And for me, I let bipolar define me for a really long time because I was constantly fearful of it. And I like, even at work, when I came out of college, I was so scared that anyone knew I was taking a personal day for my mental health because I was just always fearful that someone would know And that was like the worst thing. And so I did end up dating people who weren't the right fit for me because I was looking for some, someone who would accept me, someone who is nice, someone who could um, view me like I didn't view myself because I had so such low self-esteem. And as I got older and I started to get to a point where I didn't find shame in the bipolar disorder, I ended up meeting my husband five years ago. And I remember we like, I liked him initially and I could tell he really liked me, but I was very confident. And after he like asked me to be his girlfriend, I was just like, Hey, you need to know something. I want you to know I have bipolar disorder this is what it is. This is how I manage it. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, if he says anything mean or he's not accepting, like I'm going to leave. But he had like the most wonderful response and he wasn't something that scared him. Like the thoughts in my head told me for so long that no one would accept me if they knew. And he just had the most wonderful response. Um, And, you know, gave me a hug and said that he has had experience with mental health issues himself and that he loves me for who I am. And he's very excited to like support me through all of that and having that support, knowing that someone loved me for who I was, not letting that define me like was amazing. And we've been together five years and we actually just got married a couple months ago. I love that too. And again, that's something else that I was like, we have in common is we both met five years ago. 
because I met my husband five years ago and then I remember oh you gosh. telling me that and I was just like we're both 28 we both met five years ago we both got just got married it's just so many things in common something that resonates for me is when you talk about your history with dating and like low self-esteem I felt the same exact way and seeking out people who see those things that we don't see in ourselves and I feel like it's because our inner voice is constantly defeating us and constantly pulling us down. So it's almost like a never ending thing that we're trying to fulfill of somebody else. Who's going to give that to us externally and give us this validation when we need to be able, like you said, at the beginning, cultivate it in ourselves. And like you said, love yourself first, because really, I know for me, at least before I met my husband and all my other prior relationships, I did not. And I was like, well, they can see these things in me and they're giving me this encouragement. But if you really don't know how to cultivate that and start that process, it's going to make it very challenging too. And especially when you're saying that story of when you told him, look, I need you to know, like I have bipolar disorder and thinking, okay, well, if he says anything, I'm going to leave and just setting yourself up for something bad. And that's really the way that I felt as well. But literally hearing that piece of him saying, look, like I've had my own struggles with my own mental health and just really letting you know that the appreciation for that honesty and vulnerability to really be able to allow you to actually be who you are and not feel like I need to change and I need to do something to make you view me a certain way is so amazing because I know, especially a big piece of something else that we want to focus on when we're talking about uh, suicidal ideation and and those thoughts, right. That tie back in with those negative loops that we can find ourselves in. And, and that causes a spiral of when it becomes so overpowering and it's just so continuous and does not stop. It's relentless. And I know that's something still that so many people can relate to and resonate with and know, like, is it ever, and I feel like some people too, who maybe don't know a lot about bipolar, think that that stops, right? It's like, oh, like you've done so much work on yourself. And they might think that, right? From seeing you on the outside looking in, oh, look at all the great things you're doing with your story and speaking. So you probably don't have that anymore. And that I want to just to turn over to you. What is something that you find helpful in those moments when those things are starting to resurface? Yeah, um, I think going to the point where you said that everyone looks at you as like overcoming everything and being perfect. One thing I really appreciate with you. And I think with my account too, is being very open, like, Hey guys, I'm struggling and it can be hard. Cause it's like, well, they're going to see that and I'm letting them down, but really people appreciate that because they realize like, wow, she struggles too. And that's human and that's normal. So I think just being honest with people when I'm going through a hard time and not just using social media as like the best is always happening. But getting to a point where I've just been able to know that it's okay to share those struggles with the people I trust and know that I'm not going to be judged and know that the people I'm talking to are educated on what bipolar disorder is really helps give me relief and helps me feel supported. And so even though I'm going through hard stuff, like it at least makes me feel good that I have people around me and I don't have to hide it. Like I hid it for so long. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're saying those people around you that you can trust to share those struggles with, I think has made a difference too, because 
I know you're someone that I feel like I can send a message to or talk to and have those relationships with people. Because even when you're having those moments or those days where for me, really overthinking a lot and tending to go down those rabbit holes of this person doesn't like me, or I did something wrong. And then you just find yourself crying out of nowhere and it's pretty uncontrollable. So just having someone where you can even just share that with and someone who's there to listen and just really help you kind of put those thoughts on trial in a way and just say, here's all the facts. Let's look at it together. I think is super helpful as well. For me, for so many years, when I was younger, I didn't have those people because I really created an environment for myself where it was just, let's go out, party, drink, distraction. So when you really wanted to get real, a lot of people don't know how to respond to that. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. And they feel like if they say or do anything, it'll make it worse. And I think that ties into, especially when we're talking about suicide is something that's important to address is asking somebody if they're having thoughts of suicide, how they're feeling isn't correlated to, okay, because you're saying that this is going to increase the likelihood now of this. So I'd love to ask your opinion too, on that of either your experience with suicidal ideation or just kind of what, what you've seen with that is, is it kind of in line if, or like, if you've seen that with people who want to ask you about that and think, oh, I shouldn't ask or talk about these topics. Cause I don't want to do the wrong thing. Or, you know, people are just really feeling uncomfortable with that. When I speak, I always let people know that, you know, there's triggers and me talking about my story because I do talk about suicide and suicide ideation and, I think that people get really ashamed to say that I've thought about suicide, but I really think that it's not really people's faults to have that cross their mind because suicidal thoughts are so intrusive and they're things that just like kind of come at you, like kind of like you were saying some of the thoughts you were thinking about yourself as far as like, we can have those moments of doubt and we can talk ourselves down. Like you're not I don't know. I feel like that's intrusive and like having suicidal thoughts are intrusive too. And I think there's a lot of shame in admitting that. And like, for me, when I started dealing with suicide ideation, it was so terrifying because I literally could not tell anyone. I did not want anyone to know, but it takes the power away of, from those thoughts. If you're letting other people know, because getting help and like having that support there makes you feel that hope that you don't feel when you're suffering by yourself. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're saying the power being stripped away from those thoughts that really, that's what they have when they're alone and it's inside of you. It's almost like a spiraling just gets bigger and bigger and intensifies and gets darker and worse and continues to go around to really where you either start to isolate completely, or like you said, have that experiences with such a deep depression where you can't even list where it's coming from. You're not even clear on the source. You can't even say, here's things that are contributing to it just because it's, it's all encompassing. So bringing that whole point back especially when we're talking about for you, like, was there, obviously there is things that you had to change about your life from when you were first diagnosed to how you live now. Can you share the top two things that you had to change about your life that you never thought that you would have to change? 
Like I never expected I would have to make this kind of a change to my life to be able to live the way I do now. Yeah. So managing bipolar disorder, I never realized how important sleep was. Like literally getting eight hours a night is so important. And I'm religiously going to bed at the same time every night. And I've learned how much sleep impacts struggling with instability with bipolar disorder that if I'm like staying out to like 2 a.m. it like makes me nervous because I know that I need to go to bed. So I would say just understanding how important it is to get sleep and to stay on a schedule. And then also just staying on meds like medication is so important. It's a good tool. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And I did have a time where I was on meds and then I quit meds. And I don't think a lot of people understand that if you have a mental health disorder, sometimes you have to be on meds the rest of your life and that's okay. And that's nothing to be ashamed about. And I see that as a blessing because that's allowing me to be happy and be my best self. So learning like the importance of, okay, you have to take care of yourself. You have to eat good, stay on a schedule and always take your meds at the same time. It just made me a little bit more aware of taking care of myself. Whereas before I was just a teenager going about my day. Yeah. Especially when you talk about the, both of those pillars, but really sleep. I know when I think about myself, when I was 19, 20, 18 years old, really just completely erratic, right? It was like some nights I go to bed 2 a.m., 4 a.m., 10. It was just so unpredictable, no structure. So when you talk about having that same time and that's literally something that I've been able to get into and that I didn't think that I really would need to. I was like, oh, well, as long as I feel like I can function, it doesn't need to be such a big part of my life. But really when it's not, I definitely see myself really falling into the really high level manic side where I cannot slow down. And my husband even points it out. He's like, look, like you'll be up. It's like middle of the night and you're on your computer. It's like three in the morning. And this was like a couple of years ago and he would bring it up too. But I think it just helps you to have those people who give us the insight. Cause sometimes like no matter how much work we do on ourselves, it still is helpful to have those people who really know us well, who can say, Hey, this is seeming a little bit off, but I want you to know that I am supportive in this way. And especially when you mentioned medication, I also have that experience too. Cause I did also go off my medication. It was two points in my life. And it's sad when you're being told, especially from someone who was a psychiatric nurse, who's like, you don't need this. Just go off everything. You're doing great. And really just the disastrous consequences that can happen, especially for people like us who have bipolar disorder. And I know for me, that was three months of no medication. And I remember just one day out of nowhere, just crying and walking, just crying, crying. And it's like, where is this coming from? It's like, it hits you out of nowhere. And really just, I love that piece you touch on of like the shame factor, because there are definitely people out there who I don't know if it's their intention necessarily, but can make us feel bad for the medication and say, well, look at, look at what you're doing. You don't really need this. And I think it just comes down to lack of understanding. And obviously they don't live with a mental illness or really know someone who does, and maybe they're trying to help. But I think having you share that is really important because the whole point of this podcast is really to be able to show your story and specifically 
you know, what you're doing with that. So all the things that you've been faced with, with overcoming these obstacles, being able to put that into a book and then be able to go out and deliver that message in your speaking engagements and really your presence that you have sharing all this on Instagram as well. I think really just is a testament to showing other people of what does it look like to live well with bipolar. And that's what this whole podcast is about is working towards crafting that for everybody. Because my experience of here's what living well with bipolar looks like for me would not always be able to relate necessarily the same exact way to what it looks like for you. So maybe if you go back to not even knowing me or this podcast and you just see it show up and you see live all bipolar. What is the first thing you would think if you think about yourself and what, what that looks like for you? I think it is being able to do all the things that I want to do and not letting bipolar disorder hold me back or define me. And when I first came across your account, I love that so much because live well bipolar like I see some accounts on Instagram and it's a lot of talking about how terrible it is and how it's making people not be able to do day-to-day things and it's ruining people's lives but truly what I think you're doing and what I want to do is to tell people that it's okay to manage it and not only live with it and manage it but thrive even though you have a mental illness and that's nothing you know like having those expectations it's one thing because like when I was first diagnosed it was like oh my gosh I have a mental illness all this stigma all this shame it's going to define me forever I'm never going to find a husband I'm not going to get a good job no one can know and then like getting to a point of acceptance I think that has helped me recover even further because it's allowed me to see like I am more than this and I can manage this and I can live the life that I want even though sometimes I struggle with it. It's a part of my journey. It's not who I am. Mm -hmm. I love that the whole breakdown you give of just really what centers around that acceptance piece, because it's almost like that ripple effect of acceptance to being able to recover, to manage it and to really live the life that you want. Because very similar to yourself, when I was first diagnosed, I thought there were so many things that I could not be able to do because that's all I would hear is the negatives of bipolar and oh, relationships don't work because my boyfriend, girlfriend, bipolar, and I can't deal with it and all these things. I would see it all the time to where that really showed me that I can't talk about this. I can't share this because if I do, then I'm going to be put in that same bucket. And I don't even know if it's okay to put these people that everyone else is in those buckets. And it's like, how do you think that that makes them feel? So really exactly what you're saying is really just about not holding back and really being able to set yourself up for here's what I can do. Here's what I can't control. And obviously there's so many things from our past that we can't go back to, but really just being able to say, what can I do with what I have now creating our support networks and being able to show the reality of what it looks like and still showing what it looks like continuously with this work, because obviously we've done years of work on ourselves, but there's still going to be days where we're going to have those moments come up and things resurface and things that we've done work on, whether it's in therapy or whatever it is that are going to come back up, but knowing how to have that community. And really, this is what I wanted to create is a place for people to feel like I'm understood and my story has value and my story has worth. No matter if you're on day one, you're newly diagnosed, you don't even know if you have a diagnosis, 
or if you're just here because you love someone who lives with bipolar and you want to learn more information, that's the thing that I love about these, these conversations. And especially what you're doing is really being able to empower people and empower them through the messages that you're sharing too. So I want you to tell everyone as well, once we leave this podcast, where can everyone go to connect with you and to find you and to learn more about the work that you're doing? So you can access my memoir. You can, I have, I'm on Amazon. Um, you can search Out of the Darkness by Kate Simonette. You can also find me on Barnes & Noble online if you're interested. And you can also send me a message to my Instagram account, which is choosing underscore happiness underscore LLC. And I'm happy to mail you a signed copy of my book. So I think, you know, if you're interested in reading my story, that would be a good way to start. I'm also happy to speak to people who have questions around bipolar disorder I do want to make it very clear that I'm not an expert. I'm not a professional in any of this. I'm just someone here who is still figuring it out and sharing my story and telling you what works for me. So I'm just, you know, trying to be helpful in that aspect. But yeah, I would say um, Instagram or any of those accounts. And then I also do speaking engagements. So I don't know if you have any organizations or schools that would be interested in having a mental health speaker, you can also reach out to me about that as well. Awesome. And I'll have all of that linked in the show notes for you guys to go and connect with Kate as well. And like I said, I've read her book and I feel like every time we talk, there's another thing that we discover of this is a similarity that we didn't know before. So I just want to thank you for taking the time to come out here and not only share your experiences with me, but really share what that looks like to really put that into the story and put this into out of the darkness and really be able to bring this to life for other people to hold in their hands and read your experiences and resonate with that to really feel less alone. And so thank you so much. And I know we're going to have many more conversations to come. So I'm excited for that, but thanks for coming out. I feel like I always get so excited whenever we're able to, to have these times to connect. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Bye guys. Hope you guys have a good rest of the day or night, depending on when you guys are listening to this. And thank you so much for taking the time to tune into this episode to learn more about how you can live well bipolar or share some resources with those that you love as well.